Awesome. Awesome. Uh, our, our Brazilian friends, hola. Welcome. Uh, and, uh, and some people from England this morning. So, hello, governor. <laughs> uh, we've got some uh, Canadians, so good morning, eh? <laughs> Classic joke. And, uh, and New Zealanders, good morning. I'm trying to do Gordon Moore, good morning. I'll like, change the I to a U. How's that? Is that? I'm getting the shake of the head. <laughs> And, uh, and my mum's German, not here, but that makes me half German, so guten Morgen. Guten Morgen. Let's pray before we start. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence in this place. We ask that you come and speak to every one of us, that you touch every one of our hearts. God, we thank you for this magnificent church that we have. We thank you that we have diversity of culture and of race and of backgrounds and of socioeconomic status father we thank you that you have made us many parts that make one body we love you for it and we love this church in jesus name everybody said amen you know we've been talking about unity in the gospel and so this morning i've called my message when in rome has anyone been to rome did they do they say it in rome when in rome you know, that's just them trying to get you to do everything that they do. The expression is an old one, and the expression means, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, which is to say that when you go somewhere where the culture or the, the customs are different, do what you can to fit in with those things. And so this morning I want to talk about unity in how we relate to one another, because it can be challenging. We have many different upbringings. We live in a multicultural society. Uh, how, how, we should, how, how should we relate to people from different cultures? Because sometimes it can seem like we don't understand each other as well as we might someone who has grown up in the same kind of environment that we have. And so there's that question. And by the same token, there's also the question, even, even without different cultures, even within just Australian culture, often... Australian culture differs from Christian culture or, 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 or what Jesus asks us to do when we follow him. And so there's conflict there. God calls us to be set apart and holy and he calls us to make disciples of all nations. And so how should we relate to our own culture or to the world? Are we meant to conform to the world? Are we meant to remove ourselves from the world? Are we against the world or are we for the world? These are the questions that I want to address this morning. And I want to show you that we are meant to be culture absorbers and culture transformers. Turn to the person next to you and say, we're going to be culture absorbers and culture transformers. I feel like you've started another conversation. The instructions were clear. Hey, let's look together at Galatians chapter 2, verse 3 to 5. This is what we're preaching on in this series about unity at the moment. It says this. Uh, you know, well, let me just give you a slight bit of background. The Apostle Paul has gone to meet with the other church leaders in Jerusalem to make sure that they're all preaching the same gospel. It says this. And they supported me, did not even demand that my companion Titus be circumcised. Hallelujah. Imagine being Titus. You would be quaking in your boots before that meeting. If you don't know what circumcision is, <laughs> you can look it up after the service. You might get a bit of a shock. So they, uh, Titus, they, they did not even demand that my companion Titus be circumcised, though he was a Gentile. Even that question came up only because of some so-called believers there, false ones really, who were secretly brought in. They snuck in to spy on us and take away the freedom we have in Christ Jesus. They wanted to enslave us and force us to follow their Jewish regulations. But we refused to give in to them for a single moment. We wanted to preserve the truth of the gospel message for you. So in this one scripture, we see both ends of unity, the beginning of unity and the end of unity. And if you like, the limits of unity. 
when have we not gone far enough to be unified as a body and when have we gone too far on the one hand Titus is they don't demand that Titus be circumcised and circumcision for the Jews which you can look up after if you don't know what it is was a symbol of their covenant or their agreement with God so for the leaders of the church to say you don't need to be circumcised it was a sign of unity in Christ faith in Jesus is enough for us to be together they're saying even though you haven't adopted our customs and our culture we are one together in Christ faith in Jesus is the only thing that matters for us to have unity can anybody say amen if we can't accept people on the basis of their faith in Jesus and we require them to first follow our customs and our way of life then we don't have unity in Christ all we have is unity in customs and when you get to the end of your life and you're standing before God your customs will not save you on the other hand Paul refuses to give the false believers a single moment it says they wanted to enslave us and force us to follow their Jewish regulations but we refused to give in to them for a single moment we wanted to preserve the truth of the gospel message for you and so here some of the Jews think that the Gentiles which is a, a, a non-Jew should follow Jewish customs as well as have faith in Jesus and they're saying you need to assimilate to our customs and way of life then you can be one of us but here Paul refuses to adapt to those people so he's he's saying you know, he won't give in to them he could have said well we want church unity so uh, we should allow everybody to express their own beliefs and lead people wherever they believe is right as long as we're all together it's okay but he doesn't because if you don't uphold and maintain the gospel the truth of Jesus then you lose the very thing that brought, to get, brought you together in the first place you lose the power of Christ which sets people free and so the leaders of the early church accept someone with a different background because they're unified in Christ and they reject the teaching of those who want to enforce their cultural customs this is significant I was eating recently I was out to a lunch and I was talking to some people from a different church and <laughs> shocking I know and, and we were talking about our church and I was talking about the exciting things that were happening and, and they asked me a question they'd heard that um, that we had uh, a group of new international students and international people uh, so with the talk of the town which is great uh, and they'd heard that and they said ah interesting and they asked me a question they asked me a question with four words and, and it just made my stomach lurch they said it with good intentions here's the question are they assimilating well are they assimilating well I felt sick to my stomach there's only one word in that question which makes me sick they are they assimilating well the implication is it's, it's their job to assimilate with us the room is very quiet in that moment I think I understood a little bit of how Paul felt because he's got people in, in his church who are saying if these Gentiles are going to come in here they can come in but only if they assimilate with us only if they assimilate with us and so I turned to the pe person and, and with all the grace that I could muster I said I understand what you're saying but I disagree with the premise of the question 
I said, it's not their job to assimilate. It's our job to assimilate. It's our job together to grow as one body. And yes, I said, we're having a great time. But that question stuck with me. And that question is why I feel so strongly to preach this message this morning. So, if you come from a different culture this morning, I want to say welcome. I want to say you don't have to become Australian to be accepted. We love you, we care about you, we care for you. And uh, let's become one together. Check this out. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. I had a great time with this scripture during the week. The human body has many parts. But the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles. Some are slaves and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. Verse 18. But our bodies have many parts. And God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. So the implication here is, don't be thinking of yourself as higher or more important than somebody else just because they're different. After all, the body can't function with different parts. Listen very carefully to this next part. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we, so we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. What are you saying, Paul? What exactly are you talking about? Tell us what you really mean. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. It took me about two days to get over the fact that it sounds like he's talking about genitals. <laughs> Once I did get over that, here's what I realized. Just because you're often unseen or you're not active as frequently as some of the other parts, it doesn't mean you're not a significant part. Some people are going to go home this morning and say, I hope I'm not the genitals of the church. <laughs> hey, just because you're not as active as the other parts doesn't mean you're not significant. Some parts can bring new life. This reminds me of my high school experience. Um, you know, in high school, there was this thing, and I think Pastor Chris even knew what it was, so it must go back decades. <laughs> I mean, that's maxed, that's minimum 20 years to say decades. So, you know, that's fair, that's fair. So, the guys did this thing and I don't want to say it too much because some people might be irked by it. It's called a sack tap. Has anybody heard of that before? Great, we've got some. But for those of you who didn't put your hand up, I'm going to have to explain it. Okay, so I'm going to say it one more time, the sack tap, right? So you, you can catch the drift of it from that. But basically, teenage boys like to pester each other and one of the ways they do that is just with a bit of a like that. 
okay? And so the reaction is very strong for a male. If you get one of these things, uh, then, then often what happens is your whole body reacts like that, okay? And what actually happens is your whole high school experience, you're walking around in constant fear of that. So you're walking around on edge. And, and some, some of your friends are more prone to it than others, you know. So as soon as they're around, you kind of just, you're always ready. I've got a point. I'm not just talking about genitals for the sake of comedy. You see, what happens when you get one of those is that the whole body reacts to protect the vulnerable part. This is one of the most bizarre biblical illustrations you're ever going to hear from me. (laughs) Our church has vulnerable parts. Whether they're people who are vulnerable because of financial need or circumstances or by discrimination, we are called to behave as one body to protect them. If somebody in our church community is vulnerable, we don't say, well, that's their problem. We say, we're going to stick up for you. We're going to protect you. It goes on. It says, so God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. That's a really special scripture. Sometimes the church acts like a paraplegic. You've still got all the body parts, but they don't talk to each other. They're not working together. You see... Here's the promise that Jesus gives us. We can all be a part of the body of Christ by putting our faith in Him, putting our life in His hands, regardless of our religious background or or our culture or our race or our social status or our class, regardless of what we've done in the past, there is a place for us. And so whoever you are, you can be called a child of God. If somebody asks you, who are you? what would you say? You'd probably say your name. And then they look at you with a really intense stare and they say, no, who are you? Who are you? What would you say? Don't all yell out at once. But just consider for a second, what would you say if somebody said, who are you as a person? See, I believe the most meaningful answer that we can give to identify ourselves is nothing to do with where we live, or what we do, or the car that we drive, or the way that we look. The most meaningful way we can identify ourselves is to say, I am a son or a daughter of the Most High God. And so when Jesus is the center of who you are, everything else can be stripped away. Your car, your house, your culture, your customs, your career, and your comforts. You can take all of them away, and it doesn't change who you are. And we need to know that Christ is at the center to be able to to relate to people the way that he did. Because, watch this. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 19. Even though I am free, even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. What does he mean? He's become a slave to all people. You know, in the modern world, we are so concerned with our rights. What are my rights? And so we're baffled by this statement when he says, I've become a slave to all, even though he's a free man. Why would he do that? He's basically saying, I give up my rights for the sake of others. After all, we follow Jesus who gave up all of his rights for us. It goes on. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I'm with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, 
I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, he says, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. That is a significant verse. I was talking to somebody during the week about that scripture and they said, isn't that just for apostles? Or what about, isn't it just for missionaries who travel overseas and blend in with overseas countries? Um, I thought I was going to be low on time, so I excluded from my notes the scripture that proves that that's wrong. But if you, <laughs> if you are doubtful of that, come and speak to me after the service and we can find it together. But basically, scripture shows that actually, no, it's not just for apostles. It's not just for missionaries who travel overseas. It is for all of us. And so I want us to note three things from what Paul is saying here. The first thing is that culture and customs are fluid. Turn to the person next to you say, culture and customs are fluid. He says, when I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. Thankfully, it wasn't in the 1940s. That's not a joke. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law, even though I'm not subject to the law. I did this so that I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I'm with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. So just think about that statement for a moment. His culture and his customs are fluid depending on whoever he's trying to reach. He is essentially putting on the behavior of another religion to connect with people. It's the modern day equivalent of a Christian woman going to meet with her Muslim friends and wearing a hijab. I think that's pretty confronting for some of us. That's basically what he's saying. I will adopt their customs and their cultures to be able to reach them and connect with them. I think many of us would would not have the courage to go so far. You see, the gospel message is that our customs and cultures cannot make us right with God and we're saved by grace through faith. And so I think many of us are too proud of our culture. No, I won't do that. That's not who I am. I'm going to keep doing things my way. And we get really proud, don't we? God didn't accept you because you're Australian. God didn't accept you because you're Chinese. God didn't accept you because you're New Zealander. God didn't accept you because you break the scones instead of cutting them with a knife. As I discovered yesterday was the thing. <laughs> God didn't accept you because you're rich or poor. He didn't accept you because you're skilled or smart. God accepted you because of nothing that you did and everything that Jesus did. So, so, so why would we hesitate if we need to put all of those other things aside for the sake of the gospel? So what do you wear? Would you be willing to wear all black and put eyeliner on and dye your hair black to fit in, fit in with... <laughs> Megan says yes. <laughs> I do note, Megan, you are wearing a black top, <laughs> dark jeans, black shoes. So you're not far. Hallelujah. Okay, let's take this a little further. Let's say that Megan, uh, Megan hadn't given her life to Jesus, okay, and she was really into the heavy metal scene. And she just wore black all the time. And she wore a lot more. Uh, can I pick on you, Megan? I'm, I've started now. It's too late. <laughs> and she was right out there you know she's got black hair she's got black eyes all the way down to her cheeks and 
She loves it. And that's how all of her friends dress. I mean, to dress in black, that doesn't make you not saved, does it? Neither are you saved for not wearing black. So, so if you can dress yourself up in black clothes, doesn't mean that you have to be <laughs> depressed, but you can, you can put on those things and go and connect with Megan. But if you say, you know what, it looks like Megan, actually, she's just a bit, oh, she listens to heavy metal all the time and she's just mopey, you know? But joy of the Lord, I got joy of the Lord. You know, ah, oh, Spirit of the Lord is my strength and I've got joy of the Lord and I want Megan to have joy of the Lord. So I'm going to wait until Megan becomes happy and stops wearing black all the time and I'm going to tell her, hey Megan, maybe wear some colors and quit it with the eyeliner and then you might feel a little happier, you know, and once you feel happier then I can say, that's the joy of the Lord. And, and, then, and then we can kind of like have a meal together and maybe I can share with her about Jesus. How crazy is that? How do you speak to people? How do you eat? How do you expect others to eat? You've got to break the scones. I went to, so to fill you in, we went to get some tea in the country yesterday and I got a scone some tea? Afternoon tea? It was totally the country. It was in Woodside. That's ages away. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and I got a scone and it came out and I got my knife and I went to cut the scone in half. Now I know that you break scones but Ben, I saw Ben like cutting it with his knife so I was like oh, all things to all men. You know, so... <laughs> So I got my knife and started to cut the scone. And Pastor Chris says to me, don't do that. You break a scone. I said, oh, sorry. I broke the scone. And truth be told, it tasted great. I don't know, because I broke it or because I cut it, I don't know. But it tasted great. What kind of music do you listen to? Would you leave your shoes at the door? Would you not leave your shoes at the door? when you go to someone's house here's the real question Where's the la- where, when's the last time that you made yourself uncomfortable in order to connect with somebody who's different my encouragement to you this morning is go for it it gets easier and gets less comfortable I mean more comfortable <laughs> the more you do it The second thing I want to note from this scripture is he connects with people to win people. He said, yes, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. So his priority is connecting with people. He is building relationships with people. J. John, who's a British preacher, talked about when he first gave his life to Jesus, he had a friend who would meet with him every Wednesday to have lunch and they would talk about the Bible. And he explained it like this. His name was Andy. He said, Andy built a bridge from him to me and Christ Jesus walked across it. So Paul's saying, we're going to build relationships with people. The word prejudice, to have prejudice is to prejudge. You prejudge somebody before you actually know the facts. It's assuming that you know something about somebody without a relationship. There's, there's, a, there's some things I'd rather not have to talk about, but the fact is that they happen, and so I think it's better that we talk about it and put it out there and say what the truth is. There are some statements, something along the lines of, assimilate or leave. I wish I didn't have to talk about this, but that's what is said sometimes. And it's not just in Australia, it's in many countries around the world. Assimilate or leave. It's basically saying, become like me or leave. That statement is ridiculous. And here's why. Kirsty, can you just come and stand there? Let's imagine that, uh, that 
I'm full German, not half German. I live in Germany. Kirsty's Australian. She's coming. She, she, we fell in love whilst we were travelling. No, it's better in this scenario if we don't know each other. <coughs> Kirsty's come from Australia. She wants to move to Germany. And I say, if you're not going to be like us, you have to leave. Assimilate or leave. So basically... I'm standing here with my arms crossed looking at you saying you're different and I don't like what's different about you and either you become like me or you got to get lost you can sit down that's how I feel I'm Australian there's an Australian that says that I think to myself I don't want to become like you why would they want to become like you you're a fascist pig <laughs> what? Why? Why would? Why would? Why would someone look at somebody who's standing there from afar with their arms crossed, saying, "Become like me or leave"? Why would I want to become like you? No, Paul's calling us to relationship, because in relationship we can learn to love one another and appreciate one another and connect with one another. Where's the relationship in assimilate or leave? I think we should smile. We should say welcome to Australia. We should invite them out for a drink, whoever they are. Prejudice is very difficult to avoid. We all carry some kind of prejudice. But relationships are the best antidote to prejudice. You see, God cares deeply about relationships. Have you ever thought about the fact that God was in a relationship before we even rocked up on this planet? It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He's three in one. He's already in relationship with himself. That doesn't boggle your mind. I don't know what will. God created man on the sixth day. So on the first day, he did some stuff. The second day, he did some stuff. Third day, he did some stuff. Fourth day, he did some stuff. Why didn't he create man at the beginning? Because there wasn't a world ready? Yep. Fair call. Why didn't he create God on the third day, on the fourth day? Why, why not? Why, why, why do we come last? I think it's because he created God on the sixth day, so that on the seventh day, okay, he created God. Whoa, that's blowing my mind. <laughs> I think he created man on the sixth day, so that on the seventh day, man would wake up and see God resting, not working. So that on the seventh day, man and God could be in relationship with one another. Whoa. Thank you, Susan. Whoa. That's how I felt. It's about connecting with people. Who's heard of WeChat? Hands up if you've heard of WeChat. I don't believe you. Stephen Ecker, I know you've heard of WeChat. Put your hands up. <laughs> Who's heard of Facebook? Right, so WeChat is an app that you can get on your phone, and it's a social media app. And to put it bluntly, it's sanctioned by the Chinese government. Facebook is not sanctioned by the Chinese government. And so Facebook, while we might be used to using Facebook... If you go to China, which I have done, you, there's a whole bunch of internet sites you can't access. So if you, if you meet a Chinese person who has mostly Chinese friends, say someone's moved from China, I mean, unless they're a total loser, they're probably going to have a bunch of friends in China. They could be, you know, like all of us, they could be a loser and have no friends. There's a, there's a slim possibility. But chances are they've got a whole group of friends and the social media app that they're, that they're able to use is WeChat. So if you say, oh, let's connect on Facebook, and they say, well, we don't use Facebook or, or I don't check it very often. Well, <laughs> what are you doing to build a bridge to that person? You say, no, no, we use Facebook in Australia. Sorry, you get Facebook or we can't connect. That's ridiculous. Just download WeChat. It's a free app. It's free. Just don't say anything about the Chinese government on the app. 
because they might be watching. That's not a joke either. <laughs> it's not enough to just not be rude. It's not enough to just not say anything mean. To connect, you actually need to go out of your way. Let's just acknowledge here this morning together, often you need to step outside of your comfort zone to connect with people. Sometimes with different languages or different cultures or, or maybe different upbringings or different social statuses, our differences can make connecting with each other a little more difficult. Let's just acknowledge that. You know, I was talking to Chris, to Chris Young, Young Young, and, and he was explaining to me what I've felt when I go to Germany which is that at the end of a long day, if we come over and have dinner together, it is not as easy as if I was to have dinner with one of my friends who also speaks Mandarin. Because the truth of the matter is, speaking a second language is a little difficult. And I feel the same in Germany. At the end of a day, I'm exhausted because to speak a second language all day is hard work. And so Chris acknowledged to me, you know, it's a bit hard. And I love that he told me that. But here's the thing. Take some effort, but it's worth it. I love that guy. Look at him. Look at him. What a legend. The third thing I want to acknowledge is this from the Scripture. Christ is his rock. He says, but I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. And so in all things, he he still maintains the law of Christ. Because Jesus is the center. He goes with the flow to connect with people, but he stays true to his morals and his relationship with Christ. And we should do the same. We should keep our culture and our customs fluid to build common ground with people, and in that way, we are culture absorbers. Now you're thinking, what did he say at the beginning about culture absorbers and culture but we should stay true to Jesus and his will because he doesn't mind how you eat scones. And in that way, we will become culture transformers. So by staying true to Jesus and having him at the center of your life, you become a culture transformer. Many countries around the world are challenged by the idea of multiculturalism because they think if we accept others from other cultures, we'll dilute our own culture. In the church, sometimes people feel the same, which confuses me, because here's how I see it. Jesus said and did things that didn't fit in with the culture. And so from the beginning, the church hasn't perfectly fit in with culture. We believe things that go against what the common belief system is. So we're already countercultural. So, what's more important to you? Is, is it culture or is it Christ? And the thing to remember is we should be known for what we're for, not for what we're against. Can I get an amen? I worked with a woman at, an after, at after school care and she was not particularly likable. I'm just going to say that. Um... <coughs> And I found out that she was a Christian. I found out not because she was this bubbly person and I said, oh, what have you got on the inside of you? No, that's the opposite of what she was. Um, I found out because at Halloween, um, it became very difficult for the director to figure out what activities we were going to do because she refused to participate in anything that had anything to do with Halloween. That's, that's how I found out that she was a Christian. That's all that I knew. And so I'm not commenting on Halloween. You can believe whatever you want to believe about Halloween. But I just worry that if that's what people know you for, if that's what people, how people know that you're a Christian, shouldn't we be known for what we're for, not for what we're against? Surely love your neighbor as yourself should be one of the, the shining standards in your life. Like Paul in Galatians, we need to stand up for what is good, not just stand up against what is bad. 
So this morning, I hope that you with me have seen in the scriptures things that open your eyes to understand that actually culture and customs might not be as precious as we think they are, but Christ is incredibly precious. That all of us, no matter where we come from, can be a part of the body of Christ. And my prayer is that by God's grace, every heart would be opened to be joined alongside people who are the same and people who are different to all the other parts. So why don't you stand with me, Jordan? Would you come and play? I want to pray together. So why don't you close your eyes and lift your hands? Holy God. Father, right now we want to thank you again for the magnificent church that we have. We want to thank you for every brother and sister who sits and stands alongside us. We want to thank you that you have knitted us into one body. We want to thank you, Father, that we have many different parts, but we have one spirit. We pray, God, that you would fill every heart with love, with joy, with peace. That you would open people's hearts, open people's minds to connect with their fellow man. Holy Spirit, right now, come and fill every one of us. May your spirit bring unity in this place. May we be known as a place that loves one another with great depth, great fervency. Father, I thank you that every one of us can be proud of who we are. And at the center of who we are is Jesus. I thank you that as you stand at the center of our lives, we're set free. We're set free from every bondage, from every sin, from every works gospel that tells us you need to become right before you can be accepted. Father, we know that's not the case. We know that what you did on the cross set us free. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just spend 30 seconds allowing him to just come and fill every heart. Spirit first came. Did you notice that he came and caused everybody to speak in languages so that others could understand? Doesn't that imply that there were many different languages represented? I think God was being deliberate. I think God did it then because he's saying, my spirit is available for all people. So why don't we just, as we finish, begin to pray together. Why don't you lift your voices as we pray together as a church in unity. Holy God, we welcome you into this place. Thank you for your presence. Minister it to every heart.
thank you for your presence in this place. We lift up your mighty name and give you honor and praise this morning. Come on, let's give him a hand this morning. Thank you, Father. Praise you, God. You are mighty, you are holy. Thank you, Lord. Fantastic. You can be seated for just one more minute. I want to give you an opportunity. If you're here this morning and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to begin that this morning. You see, every one of us, the Bible says, is created in the image of God. And God's desire is that we would be His children. It's like each of us can be adopted as a son or a daughter of God. But here's the problem. We're separated from God by by what we call sin. It's all the bad stuff that we've done in the past. And so it's as if you're being put up for adoption and you go into an interview, someone's filling out the paperwork to see if God will adopt you. And they say, okay, so tell me a bit about your past so that he knows sort of who you are as a person. And they ask you, have you ever lied? And you say, no. And they say, yes. <laughs> you say, well, yes, just but only small lies. And they're like, liar. And, and then they say, okay, well, have you, have you ever stolen anything? And you say, no, nothing significant. Just a movie here or there. And then they write down thief. And they go on like this. You're sitting there looking at the piece of paper. You're thinking, this isn't looking very good. Is he ever going to adopt me? Look at all the stuff I've done. It's not a good report. And it goes on like that until he's filled out the whole page full of all the stuff you've done wrong. And just as he gets up to go and submit the application, he puts it in the trash can and he picks up a blank piece of paper and said, this is your application. He said, what? What do you mean? He says, well, you see, if you're adopted into the family of God, then Jesus is like your brother because Jesus is the son of God. And he he already paid for all of the things that you did wrong. He already took the punishment on the cross. And so that means when we submit the application forms from now on, we, we can scrub everything out. You're made clean and holy. Jesus, Jesus was asked a question by some Romans who were trying to turn, uh, t- by some Jews who were trying to turn the Romans against Jesus. And they said, who should we give our money to? And he says, give me a coin, show me a coin. Who's, whose image is on the coin? He said, well, Caesar's image is on the coin. He said, right, well, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God's. Now, if the person hadn't been just trying to trick Jesus, if he actually wanted to know, here's what his follow-up question would have been. Or what should we give to God? And Jesus would have said, whose image is on you? All of us were made in the image of God. So if we give to Caesar what is Caesar's and we give to God what is God, we give up our lives into His hands. So this morning, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you haven't made a decision to put your life in His hands and to trust Him, I want to give you an opportunity to do that now. So would you close your eyes for me so no one's looking around. And if you're here and you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, you want to ask Him to come into your life, put your life into His hands. Would you raise your hand for me so I can see you? What I want to do is I want to pray a prayer with you to introduce you to Him. If you would like to do that this morning, would you raise your hand? I'll see it and we can pray together. See that hand? Fantastic. Thank you. You can put it down. Awesome. Is there anyone else here this morning who wants to ask Jesus to come into their life? Thank you, I see that hand. Fantastic. The Bible says we're made into a new person. We're born again. Maybe you're here this morning and you you might have made that decision in the past. 
but you've, you've turned away from that choice and this morning you want to come back. So Jesus, I need you in my life. I want you in my life. If that's you here this morning, would you put your hand up and we can pray that prayer together. Either for the first time or a recommitment. Fantastic. What I want to do is, is pray with those two people. So would you, would you, why don't you open your eyes and stand to your feet? What I would love to do is pray for you here on the altar. So if you could do something brave and just come from your seats, bring somebody, if you came with somebody, they can come and stand with you. Would you come, would you come and stand with me so we can pray together at the front? I know, I know you need to be brave. Come on out the front. Awesome. Let's give them a hand as they come. Hey, how you doing? I'm Brendan. Yeah, nice to meet you. You can face me. Why don't you close your eyes and just lift your hands up to heaven? Such a special moment. Why don't you guys repeat after me to make it simple? Dear Jesus, I want to have you in my life. I thank you for what you did on the cross. I thank you that my past is wiped clean. That I'm made whole in your sight. And that you would come and fill me with your spirit. From this day forward, I'm following Jesus Christ. Amen. Awesome. Fantastic, guys. Awesome.